Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and oh, what a happy day it is. I look forward to being with you today. I'm so glad that you tuned in. Maybe you're catching it on the podcast. Either way, this is a great day. Dr. Alex McFarland is going to join me in just a minute. Got a little special surprise after Alex, and Dr. Rebecca Ree is going to uh, discuss Genesis 16 in hour two. So we got all kinds of good stuff happening today. But Alex McFarlane, as you know, is not only an author, but an apologist, an evangelist. He has uh, preached in all 50 states and all around the world. Always glad to have Alex on. Hello, Alex. Hello, my friend. How are you, Bill? I'm having a great day. It's, uh, I'm just excited. Every day I get to come into work and we get to talk about Jesus. I go, okay, there's a gr- another great day. They all stack Praise up. God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, it's it's an exciting day for me, and I haven't shared this on any radio microphone yet, but I have another book out. Fantastic. And it just released today. Let me see. Is today the 6th? Today is yes. September 6th. Yes. Today is release day for a book called 100 Bible Questions and Answers for Families. Sweet. I, yeah. And so I give God the glory for that. But, um, um, hey, I was... Studying my Bible today. May, may I share a verse? I that hope you do. Jumped. Um, in the book of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 26.3 says, the, the King James renders it this way, that thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It's a pretty famous verse. Yeah. I've heard that for much of my life. Mm-hmm. So God will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee or steadfast Mm -hmm. because they trust in you. So I looked up the word, S-T-A-Y-E-D, stayed, and it really means supported by or it's something that rests on something else. And I thought about, you know, our mind, our, our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts, stable, at peace. How? Because they're resting on the Lord and his word. And... We often talk about you and I talk about biblical worldview, but when our when our thoughts and our priorities, our perspectives are based on the Lord and His Word, yeah, there's peace in that, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Doctor Alex McFarland is my guest. Alex, uh, today I was thinking about how do you develop an attitude of expectancy. Now, I always I always try to when I pray I say. In my prayer, Father, I, I come to you with a, with a great sense of expectancy because I know you've heard my prayer, and that's kind of where I leave it. <laughs> yeah. How do you how how would you encourage us to develop a, an attitude of expectancy? Wow! Praise God, uh, Bill. That that's nobody's ever asked me that question, and that is such a great question. Um, we can always expect blessing and provision, and strength, and all of the superlatives. Fill in the the good word of your choice. Blessing, and favor, and encouragement, and strength, and it's because of who God is. 
And I, I think when we get discouraged or, you know, we feel hopelessness, we're, we're forgetting who God is. And God can't help but do good for his children because it's his nature to for our good. Now, C.S. Lewis um, once wrote this. He said, I know that God has my best interest at heart, but I wonder how painful will that best be? Um, mm. Do you remember the colleague of C.S. Lewis, Sheldon Van Auken, who yeah. wrote, in 1978, it was mercy. a gold, yes, a, a gold medallion book. It won many awards, A Severe Mercy. Yeah, I was, I was sobbing at one point in that book. I, yeah. I was sobbing. You know, and, and by the way, folks, Bill and I, we don't really script these conversations beforehand, <laughs> but when I was in graduate school, my wife had passed the board and she became a nurse. And uh, I was in a graduate level C.S. Lewis class, and one of our readings was A Severe Mercy by Sheldon Van Auken. And Angie comes in one day and she goes, oh, uh, Dr. Van Auken, he's he's one of our patients. <laughs> what? I, I was like, what? what? <laughs> okay. He was an English professor for many years at Lynchburg College in Virginia. I, no I was in graduate school. And sure enough, um, she said, yeah, he says he knew C.S. Lewis. I was like, yeah, well, he did. They were friends. And yes, Angie, my wife knew Sheldon Van Auken, but the reason I bring him up is because the title of his book, A Severe Mercy. Now, to your question, how do we develop expectancy? Yes, an attitude of expectancy. I think we've got to remember who the Lord is, and he gave us life, and he gives us salvation, and he has a plan, and he blesses. And even when things seem hard for the moment, or look, we all have, you know, we're all like one phone call away from our world being turned upside down. But I've seen it, very often we learn it retrospectively looking back. God always has blessing and goodness. And that that's why we can legitimately be expectant and, and just come to the Lord Wow, what's next, God? Mm. Because he's so good to us. And I want to say this, you know, it's like Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And God was speaking to Israel, I realize. But Galatians six sixteen speaks of the church being the Israel of God. Now, I know Israel is Israel, but the church has the blessing and promise of the Lord, too. It says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of good not of evil, to bring you to a teleos, a plan, a design. And, um, you know, I know some some days are a mountaintop and some days are a deep valley, but we, we can always have an attitude of expectancy because God has a plan and he always is overseeing us for, for our good and his glory. Mm-hmm. Alex, how do you improve your ability to be patient? Oh wow, I'm under conviction, Bill, because okay. I'm. This is very convicting because uh, you know I'm like probably not as patient as I ought to be. Um, that's yeah, Hudson Taylor. Do you remember Hudson Taylor, uh -huh. the great missionary? Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. 
here's a phenomenal book, folks. This is an oldie goldie. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret. It's about his work. I, was it China Inland Mission? Was that his? But he yes. said in the Christian life, there are three necessities for the Christian life. Patience, patience, <laughs> and patience. That's mm-hmm. what Hudson Taylor said. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I'm just speaking for Alex here, but I... Very often, um, I, I pray. First of all, I'm so blessed, and I'm just like always praising God. And I'm not. I'm not trying to say, you know, oh look at me, or I'm not patting myself on the back. But Bill, I'm just so grateful to be a born again Christian. I'm so grateful to have a, a family that puts up with me. I'm so grateful to be on the radio with you. Um, I can't believe what the Lord has done with my life, and I give God the glory. But um, I, I look over the journey, and I, I I really do thank Jesus. And I see that he has had a, a good plan. I mean, we were bankrupt chicken farmers 35 years ago. My parents were nearly a million dollars in debt on the brink of divorce. Um, I was away at college, and Mom and Dad were watching Charles Stanley, and they came together and put their hands over the coffee table, and they they prayed over the the stack of bills, and they recommitted their life to Christ through Charles Stanley's ministry. And I I told him this story several times, and what a what a dear Christian gentleman he was. Mom and Dad had a radical life change in their 60s, and all the problems didn't go away. In fact, it took 20 years plus to sort out the the train wreck that was their family farm and business. But um, then I, I got saved, and I felt God call me to the ministry, and I got a Christian wife and um, did three and four jobs at a time, and nickel by nickel paid off my college tuition and anyway you look up one day and 30 years has gone by and ministry around the world and um, family issues get resolved and through it all not only did life get sorted out but we all came to Jesus and I guess Bill uh, I'm not I'm not sure if I have the spiritual virtue of patience that Galatians 5 talks about but I, I have learned that God really does come through for us. He, he really does. I'm telling you, folks, I've been to the, the mat in a few different contexts, and God never lets us down. He really does come through. Alex, thank you for sharing that story. It's beautiful. And I did not know that about your parents and about the, their family farm and the debt that they had incurred. So when you're talking about developing an attitude of expectancy and you have, you need patience because maybe there's a condition that you're waiting for improvement on, or maybe it's full healing from something, or maybe it's a job you need or a job you need to change, or maybe you're looking at a list of expenses that are leaving you overwhelmed. Mm. I'm 
thinking, how do I have this attitude of expectancy and the ability to be patient when my circumstances feel so heavy? Yeah, um, and and yeah, I really emphasize, uh, empathize with anybody who's out there because look, you know, um, unemployment is is a problem. Underemployment, bills, and just the the pressures of life can seem unrelenting. You know, I, I get that, and very often we will say, "Why?" You know, nobody fully understands how another person feels. So please, I'm not trying to minimize or anything like that, but. I really do believe the Word of God tells us that we can trust Him, like like the Isaiah twenty six three, God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is supported by God when you trust in Thee. I'm going to get to another verse here in a minute, but Second Corinthians one verse four to the question of why. But I just want to say, Bill, to everybody out there, whether it's you know family issues or struggling with you know a prodigal child or money or health or maybe somebody just got a devastating diagnosis from the doctor if you will fall into the arms of Jesus Matthew 6 8 says God knows what we need even before we ask and God is not wanting you to be hurt or harmed but God is wanting all of us to understand how to walk with him and trust in him. In fact, I, I truly believe the most loving thing, number one, that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay our sin debt. But honestly, the, the greatest act of love that God does on our behalf is he allows life to draw us closer into him. Because the, the most alive you'll ever be the, the most clear your mind will be and stable and secure in the midst of the storm is the closer you are to God. Amen. And so the hard situations, it, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. He hasn't. But it does show how desperately we need the Lord. And when we say, God, here, here's this, here's this um, problem. I can't do it. I'm handing it to you. That's the wisest decision you'll ever make. Amen. We're going to take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can go to his website, alexmcfarland.com. Today is the release of his brand new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. You can learn more about it there at alexmcfarland.com. We'll be right back. Do you think of yourself as courageous, a world changer? Maybe fear rules the day and keeps you from identifying in these ways. But when you step out in faith and decide to take action in the moment, living this day in light of that day, eternity, you change the world. The Afternoon Show is part of the listener-supported Faith Radio. This content is only available because of your support. The impact on lives, the reach around the world happens because you stand up to make a difference. Now's your time. Take the next step and be bold by joining the support team now. Click the link in the show notes or go to myfaithradio.com. Thank you so much. So glad to be back with my friend, Dr. Alex McFarland. Do head over to his website, alexmcfarland.com. It's M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. 
D.com, Alex McFarlane. His brand new book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, is a delight. Alex, so as we're talking about developing a sense, an attitude of expectancy and and praying that we will have patience, usually when you pray for patience, God puts situations in your life (laughs) that make you work for it, which which is exactly what he wants us to do, uh, turning us into the man or woman he wants us to be. But in our remaining time, I'd, I'd like to ask you how to best overcome learned information about God that isn't true, that you have to unlearn. I remember years and years ago, I took a golf lesson and I thought I had a fairly good swing and the golf instructor completely deconstructed my swing. And by the time he was done, it was so awkward. I thought, well, I'm, I, I don't know, this, isn't, this hasn't been worth it. But in the long run, he's helping me get it all figured out. And there's a lot of people walking around with really bad information about God. And it's usually as a result of what they learn, traditions. It's just not true. But how do you unlearn stuff? Uh, great question. Great question. Well, and, and you know, it's not only about the nature of God, but just there's a lot of things in the Bible that we are taught, or it's kind of like conventional wisdom, that, that just really aren't exactly biblical, like, you know, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Exactly. You know, or, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. You know, that might be axioms or kind of old, you know, old um, sayings, but aren't necessarily biblical. Um, it is revelatory, uh, no pun intended, but to read the Bible. <laughs> of course. It, it, it can be revelatory to really base your view of God and salvation and life itself on what the scripture says and you know there are some things that um you know that that we have to like you say unlearn um i i will say this something that i did learn that um i i really didn't know uh was just how tender and loving god is i think my view of god 30 years ago was, you know, God created, but God was more of this very austere, you know, judge. Um, and we really learned that God really honestly does love us. I, I think why that, why family is so important, because like I've heard parents say, you know, I would, I would give anything. I would lay down my life for any one of my children. Mm-hmm. And, the Lord loves us that much. Uh, in fact, he he did lay down his life because he loves us so much. Um, I, Bill, I, I wish I could convey, and I want to be careful how I say this because you know we're living in in times where a lot of a lot of times people will say, you know, we just need some hard preaching. You just and and I get it. I mean, sometimes the state of the world makes you think that. What people need is a real, you know, barn burner of a fire and brimstone sermon, and and I know there's a place for that, and I don't mind preaching hard, you know, sin is wrong and it is, and people ought to repent. But I, I truly believe, Bill, that what so many people need to understand is how deeply God loves them, because I, I think there are a lot of people that that feel very unloved. And they, you know, we maybe have ideological disagreements and a myriad of 
things we might not understand each other on. But I wish people could know how God cares so deeply for them, and every human being matters to God. Now, we are to put our faith in Jesus, we're to turn from sin and be born again, but I, I truly believe part of what's wrong with the world is that people people don't know that God really does love them. Mm-hmm. So did, um, did you, Alex, think of God as like an angry principal with a ruler and better watch oh, out? Oh, exactly. Uh, I, I felt I, somehow my my incorrect view of God was mm-hmm. more that he was like an angry principal with a sledgehammer. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know... God is God of grace, and uh, now he does say, you know, turn the car around, Mm -hmm. go in the wrong direction, come to me, but uh, God is God of of love, and God is God of mercy, and when we seek, it says that he is um, full of mercy, a very present help in a time of trouble, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I want to, before we forget, I want to mention one thing, a verse that's been a great comfort. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3, and 4, you know, it says, Praise uh, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the God of all compassion, the God of all comfort. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 1, 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we may comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. Now, um, a lot of times people, they say, why am I going through this? You know, it just doesn't seem right. I prayed, you know, I've been faithful, and yet, you know, X happened, Mm -hmm. fill in the blank. And this side of heaven, we may not fully understand why, but... Um, the hard times where we have to really lean into the Lord and we throw ourselves before the Lord, it may be preparation from future for future ministry because we can later down the road come alongside somebody and we can legitimately say, look, I was there and God is faithful. Uh, God comforts us so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves were comforted of God. Um, Bill, I mentioned my mom and dad's situation when in in the late 80s they were almost a million dollars in debt and the bank came to put us out of the house. I I remember this vividly and I was, you know, just like 18, I guess, and I didn't know how bad things were. And, you know, we had this family farm for 88 years and my grandfather built it and, you know, there was all the family antiques and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Well, The bank came to evict us, and little did my mom and dad know, or my mother didn't know, and certainly us kids didn't know, that we were deep, deep, deep in debt. So all the furniture got taken away. Here we are, sleeping on the floor in an empty house, and my mom was crying. My mom was, like, yelling at the people that had come to evict us. and. Mm -hmm. And this one guy, I'll never forget, he just said, look, ma'am, I'm just doing my job. Well, my dad went to a neighbor, and the neighbor gave, lent my dad enough money to keep the bank away. But here we were in an empty house. Wow. And we survived. Uh, we turned to the Lord. But anyway, years later, my mom really had a ministry praying with people and trying to help counsel families through financial 
crisis. Yeah. Now, God, sir, God is using that situation for His glory. Alex, you know we're out of time, but thank you so much for being with me. Hey, Bill, praise God. All right. God is faithful. Yep. Let's stay with Him. Indeed. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. Head over to alexmcfarland.com. I'm going to get more of that story next time he's on the air with me. We'll be right back with a special surprise. It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. You know, with Labor Day being Monday, some of my Monday guests had the day off. And I didn't like the, the idea that my friend Patrick wasn't working this week, so I'm putting him to work today. He's joining the program. Patrick Albanese is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, hello. How are you? I'm well. Yeah, it was funny. Friend, colleague, you know, concierge. I believe that's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about this the other day. Uh, a phrase that you and I have never used with each other, buddy. <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> That's a good one. We've not used have that ever, one. No, but, but isn't it funny? Like you actually have some friends. You go, "Hey, buddy." Yeah. And then there, yeah. there are other ones that you would say, "I wouldn't. I, I just. I can't. I, I cannot conceive of calling you buddy." <laughs> 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 I mean, it's even uncomfortable to say, "Oh yeah, he's a buddy of mine." I say, "This is a friend of mine." Yeah. So, so what's now? What's better to be somebody's buddy or to be their friend? Yeah, that's good. Good point. But like, well, who do you do you have friends you call buddy? Well, I'll refer to them as a buddy. Who's that? They'll say, "Who's who's who's that guy?" I goes, "Oh, that's a buddy of mine from college." You but, refer but like, to him that way. Yeah, but not like somebody you'd run into, and you'd say, "Buddy, no, hey, no, buddy. no, no, I'd never do that unless no. you forgot their name, and then you you default to buddy or captain or <laughs> <laughs> yeah or your or your your royal highness. Yeah, I don't right, know. Yeah. right. Okay, so buddy. All right, buddy, I do have a topic for us, though, today, because, you know, I have always said that, um, like, the Bible teaches a merry heart is like good medicine, and as, as cliche as that may sound, laughter really is, a, it's a great medicine uh, when it feels, you know, like frustration is the only rational response. You, you take a step back, and you can see the, the humor in a situation, and it can l- release the tension of the moment. And it can help you to look at things from a, a different angle. So this is why I like having friends in my life that are oftentimes our default, part of our default conversation is looking for the humor in situations, no matter how difficult it is. Well, and sometimes it's how we cope or uh, you're just flexing the the muscle of trying to look at things from a different perspective. You know, it's easy to fall into that groove, right? Where yeah. you say, this is how the world wants me to view this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the humorous angle just to see if I can look at it from another side. Yeah. Now, here are a couple of quotes I think we'll enjoy. Humor is the great thing, the saving thing after all. The minute it crops up, all our hardnesses yield, all our irritations and resentments flit away, and a sunny spirit takes their place. Mark Twain said that. He said a lot of things. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he yeah he was famous for the uh, rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> I believe that was yeah that was him. Comedian Ellen DeGeneres said it. Um, it must be around forty when you're over the hill. I don't even know what that means and why it's a bad thing. 
When I go hiking and I get over the hill, that means I'm past the hard part and there's a snack in my future. <laughs> That's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, as a, f- a friend of mine used to say, the only way to coast in life is downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I like this quote, man suffers only because he takes seriously what the gods made for fun. Uh, and a good laugh overcomes more difficulties and dissipates more dark clouds than any other one thing, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. And George Bernard true. Shaw, great playwright, said, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because... We stop playing. Yeah. Figured you'd yeah. come out with this one. Now, this one I caught my attention because this is from uh, Horace, who is um, a Roman poet at the time of Augustus. He died in 65 B.C. All right? And he said, okay. mix a little foolishness with your prudence. It's good to be silly at the right moment. This is a guy that died in 65 B.C. Yeah. <laughs> It was looking for the humor and things, and and, and and you know, to 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 a credit to his greatness and the greatness of that quote. Do you know anybody named Horace? I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I think they retired the name. They said, "Look, it's not going to get any better than this. It was, we have we have capped out on Horace. <laughs> Nobody else can use that name." Yeah, we but are... that's a that that you're old if you're you die in in eight uh, BC. That's pretty old. Yeah, but you know, he still... was so. He was so close to the birth of Christ. He was so close. So close. But you're still looking for the lightness and a little bit of playfulness, which I think is important. Don't Um, you find that fun that people, you know, uh, 2,000 years ago, were still looking at life the same way that we do and saying, you know, there's got to be some humor in this, in this mess of, you know, of things at times. And uh, if you look for that, you'll have a more joyful life. Yeah. And yeah. Betty White, who I think lived to 100, she said, it's your outlook on life that counts. If you take yourself lightly and don't take yourself too seriously, pretty soon you can find the humor in our everyday lives. And sometimes it can be a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's so many things to like her for. She was also great at Password. So She, she was. Were you on the show she, with her? I was not, okay. uh, but I, I did uh, get a celebrity. I had a couple of celebrities that were not good at the game. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You're sitting across from somebody on a game show. You know, it's not an easy process to get to that point. And then your name gets called and they say you're going to be with, you know, Mr. Belvedere. And you're like, Mr. Belvedere. I guess I should have watched that show. Okay, Mr. <laughs> Belvedere. <laughs> and uh-huh. uh, you say, I'm with, you know, some kind of celebrity guy. And uh, you say, I... Uh, you're terrible at this game and I'm losing because of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to revere you. You're some sort of celebrity, but I, I, so I, I had a, a series of celebrities that weren't very good at it. And then, um, the day changed and new celebrities came in and I got, uh, Lori Hendler from the TV show, give me a break. And she was kind of young. And I thought, well, I don't know. Well, turns out she was the next generation, Betty White, a oh. whiz. And so suddenly from, from behind, I come roaring up, take the lead and win because of this celebrity. And, uh, I have loved her every, ever since. No. So uh, that's just a little bit of trivia for people who was like, if you want to look it up, you can find old video from 1987 of me on super password. Yeah. But nobody wants to do that. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so when we talk about a merry heart, well, you know, I think what does scripture uh, 
say? What, what does scripture mean about a merry heart? And it, it reveals that um, our heart and our affects our attitude and, and even our appearance. You can see people with the brightness in their eyes, the smile on their face. You can see almost like a cheerful countenance. And I think that's a pretty loud calling card for gospel invitations, for conversations, for the chance to connect with someone. Uh, when when you have that little bright look on your face and maybe you're more prone to a smile than a frown and you've got that those bright eyes, I think it's just going to give you an opportunity to make a connection you wouldn't otherwise make. I, 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 we've talked about this, I know, before, just sometimes the opportunity to say something different than the customary that people are used to hearing when you, you know, let's say you're walking into the gym in the morning and it's usually, hey, how you doing? Great. How are you? Great. You know, good, great, great, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always more fun to have people have to stop for a second and register what you said because it isn't what they were expecting, you know, and and it's fun to, and I think if you do it with a cheerful heart, a merry heart, uh, I'm not saying you're going to make somebody's day, but you can at least give them a bright moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I love to walk into the gym and say, please, no flash photographs. I do this as a public service. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was what I said this morning. And the woman behind the counter just howled. Yeah. And I said, well, you just made my day by laughing at something silly, I said. Right. So we you both were, had a good moment. You were following Horace's advice. I, I often do. Should I should I go back to Horace's quote? <laughs> yes. Mix, mix a little foolishness with your prudence. It's good to be silly at the right moment. It, it re, well, yes. Yeah. Who gets to? Okay, wait a second. Hang on a second. This is going to, all right, here are, are some are Horace you, are quotes. Are you Googling something right now? I'm Googling Horace because I thought there's, there's, there's you know, no Googling any, during the show. I have to Google because sometimes you find out that, uh, you know, Horace, who we now admire for the thing that he said, said other things. Like what, for example? How about this? You should have cleared this with me in advance. The pen is the tongue of the mind. Okay. Nothing is beautiful from every point of view. Ooh, like that. Don't think, just do. Ooh. This this Horace character. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to look into him. Yeah. Yes. Once a word has been allowed to escape, it cannot be recalled. Ooh, I like that. You know, and oftentimes I will say a merry heart does like good medicine. And I I always got to remind myself to complete the verse because the end of the verse says, but a broken spirit dries dries the bones. And I I just want to be uh, so uh, empathetic to anyone today with a broken spirit. I know there's plenty listening right now that maybe are just coming home from a long day at at the job or they came from visiting someone in the hospital or they just left a friend from coffee and their their hearts are heavy and there's not a lot of joy right now. And I just want you to know God loves you and God wants you to understand that his joy can, can be your joy all the time. And a joyful, positive outlook is really a good thing for our health and um, a hopeless negative feeling just can, can drain us and, and people around us. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm preaching to myself right now, Patrick. Well, yeah, I know. And I think what we often do that, uh, you know, there's one of my favorite sayings was we teach best what we most need to learn. Yeah. 
And uh, uh, I think, you know, especially when it comes to the merry heart or, uh, you know, trying to find humor in some things that it, it can take effort at times. Uh, yeah, you, but I mean, I, I know you've said this and I know a lot of other people of, of equally high status have also said that, you know, if it's going to be funny in five years, then it's funny now. But we all know that, that that doesn't feel like the case most of the time. You're going through something and you are aware that, you know, years from now, I will laugh at this. I know. But right right now I'm struggling. And and to me, it's enough to just remind myself. It says, I will laugh at this someday. Yeah. You know, so the more likely. you can, the more you can speed up the time between when you say one day I'll laugh at this and when you actually laugh at it. I think the the the, the, the if you can speed that time up, it's better. Yeah, you need a flux capacitor to do that. That's exactly however. what you need, and there's not yeah. many available right now. No, no, no. There's a shortage ever since DeLoreans went out of business, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask this question, and then we're going to go to break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. He's my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. And we were talking about this earlier in the week, and we said, what have you done that have made others call you old-fashioned? What have you done or said that others called you old-fashioned? Curious what it is. Let me know, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Somebody called you old-fashioned? You're old-fashioned? Really? What'd you do? What'd you say? We're curious. Be right back. Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. I'm back with my friend Patrick Albanese as we usually talk on Mondays, but Monday was a holiday, so I wanted to squeeze him in this week. We were, uh, right before the break, we were saying, so have you ever been told that you're old-fashioned? And what does it mean to be old-fashioned? And what would be something that you did that was considered old-fashioned? And, you know, Patrick, maybe something like um, you don't like relying on technology. That's like, Ooh. oh, you're old-fashioned if you don't want to have technology. Yeah. And you enjoy face-to-face conversations. Oh, you're really old-fashioned. <laughs> you're really old-fashioned. Yeah. The other day, I got called old-fashioned uh, just for a greeting that I had used, uh, which I, I thought, well, this, that kind of caught me off guard. Is you, that considered old-fashioned yeah, now? Yeah, you have manners it, and you show respect. Right, yeah. right. I mean, all I said was, how do do, ma'am. <laughs> Might I interest ye in a sarsaparilla? Yeah. All right. And for some reason, that's considered old-fashioned. Yeah. Andrew said, where are my cassettes for my cassettes player? <laughs> that's that's going to be old-fashioned, right? Yes. Do you remember the old the old-fashioned cassette rewinder, which was a pencil? Right. <laughs> yeah. Would, yeah. How about this one? Uh, you're old-fashioned if you know newer doesn't always mean better. Okay, yes. that is, Not That's only a- is that true, uh, you're almost considered old-fashioned if you repair something. Completely, yeah. You know, my grandfather had the same drill. I, I think, you know, since World War I, I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he just repaired it. 
you know, occasionally you'd have to put a new cord on it, which, you know, is basic electronics, but you, you, you never thought to go buy a new one. Right. And yeah, now we just, we just toss stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's almost disturbing. The other day, my, my son comes home from school, uh, walks in the door and he says, Hey, I lost my phone. I said, well, I, I think it, it deserves a little bit more alarm than, than that. Yeah, I don't know where it is. You know, it's somewhere at school, and we couldn't locate it. And you know, I I'm panicking because they're expensive, and he's not panicking because he didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I think well, he's also of that generation. They say, well, you know, they're only good for a couple of years anyway. Yeah. You say, oh, that's right. We used to buy something, and then that was it. You have, you had a blender. For fifty years, you had a blender. Right, right. You might you might be old fashioned if you have a refrigerator magnet, and under that magnet you write your grocery list. Yeah, that could be old fashioned. Kathy, Kathy said I was talking to our son on our landline when our youth pastor came over. That's old fashioned. Yeah, especially if it's a princess phone. <laughs> you know, if, if you've got that old. Uh, uh, yeah, I, we, we don't even have a landline here, and I don't even think twice about it. And you realize, well, I, are those a thing of the past? Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, okay, so old-fashioned, <laughs> we don't have to do this so much anymore. But uh, did you ever have to, you know, hit the side of the television to get it to work oh, again? Oh, all the time. That's how you fix yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, you were you were a the remote control, and you were the TV repairman, <laughs> <laughs> and you had a little uh, vice grip that you would use to adjust the hanger, which would be in place of the antenna. Yes, and there'd be some aluminum foil uh, <laughs> fashioned somewhere, you know. But uh, yeah, I was you know I had a prominent place on the floor in front of the TV, so my dad, who called me Charlie, and that's a long story, but you know, Charlie, change the channel. So, you know, I would, I would, yeah, I'd cycle through the three channels and, uh, you know, and occasionally I'd have to smack the side of the TV to get the picture to come in correctly. (laughs) All right. David said, um, you are old fashioned if you say pound rather than hashtag. Oh, the pound signed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I did run into that. I had like three hashtags of beef, please. <laughs> Very yeah. confusing. Yeah, I told. I'm, I'm told I'm old fashioned because I like to use a paper calendar. Yet, not on my phone. I read paper books, not on a tablet. I hang clothes outside instead of dryer. Sometimes that's pretty old fashioned. Okay, so now the calendar I absolutely get. I I have downloaded over the years uh, a twenty apps. To you know, for to-do lists or calendars, and then you can set reminders, and you go to uh, you know the cloud so that it works on all of your devices, and it'll beep you a, a day before the event and an hour before. And I accomplish very little. <laughs> and if, I, but if I take out a post-it note or a sheet of paper and say, "Here's my to-do list for the day," so I'll have an electronic to-do list, and I'll have the paper to-do list. I will, they could be identical. I will get more done if I use the paper to-do list because there is something satisfying. Yeah, that's about so true. Scra- and I, maybe that's old fashioned. Yeah. You know, maybe the kids like to just, you know, tick the thing off in the, in the to-do list on the phone. I just would rather scratch it out. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes 
you'll remember something that wasn't on the list. You'll add it on the list and then scratch it off. That's oh, really no silly. Way ever. No, no. It's even sillier when you remember you're going, I did something that wasn't on the list, but I'm now going to put it on the list so I can scratch it off. <laughs> right. Even though I've already accomplished that item. It's like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to let a good deed go unnoticed. Yeah. Yeah. No, not by me. So this might be an old fashioned question, but what, it, what do you think is the most valuable, valuable thing you as a parent can give to your kids? Love, attention, discipline, or support? Oh, oh, oh. Those are all They're all excellent. important. Yeah, but They're I'm just- all I'm, important. I'm not saying pick one over the other. I'm just saying which one might be the biggest one in that group? Love, discipline. Attention. Attention. Discipline. Discipline. Support. See, I'm, I'm going toward the discipline. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've, I, uh, those are all good. Yeah. Support is great, but you, you don't want to support everything. I think teaching discipline, I, I'm not looking at discipline in terms of punishment. I'm, I'm looking at discipline in terms of teaching them discipline. You know, how to uh, d- discipline themselves to go after something, to, to do something. And I think that that comes a certain, you can teach some self-reliance because you're te- you need to teach self-reliance. I mean, the Bible says, hey, you know, there's a point in time, you know, the whole cleaving thing ends. There's no more cleaving and you are to go off into the world. Well, I need to prepare my kids for that, don't I? Yeah. That, re- that does require some discipline. Yeah. All right, Patrick, here's another one. A younger person asked where I should go for a new washing machine. So you should call the service you have and and have them come out and let you know what's wrong first before you throw it out. Yeah. You know, I've repaired repaired my washing machine four times now. I know you have, and I find that amazing. I'm a YouTube it yourselfer. I look it up and I say, wow, oh, look at that. Why, it's just a clutch. Who knew that a washing machine had a clutch? How hard could it be to fix it? Next thing you know, it's in pieces on the floor and I fix it. So I have, my washing machine is from 2001 and it's still cooking. Yeah. Do you guys, I'm happy about that. Do you guys iron around your house? Uh, I do. Okay. Um. You know, I, I remember getting my first leisure suit as you maybe had a I never, leisure suit. No, no, no. Keep, that's, that, keep that to yourself. I never had one. Nobody, everybody had a leisure suit. No, I didn't. It, well, did you have anything polyester? Uh, that was wash, wash and wear. Remember wash and wear? No, no. You tossed it in the washer. No, all you my clothes were flame retardant. <laughs> yeah, but did they come out of the dryer wrinkle free? Oh, I think it's, yeah, some did, yeah. Yeah. But we, yeah, I mean, I like, um, especially if I'm dressing to impress, I will press, <laughs> so to speak. I will iron. I think a, a crisply ironed shirt uh, speaks volumes. I just think, it, you know, you, uh, a, a man in a crisply pressed shirt, and I'll even use the, um, the is it the easy on or the easy off? One's for the oven. <laughs> <laughs> And the other one is for you. If you confuse them, it's very bad, <laughs> you know. But, and, uh, and do you feel like you're old-fashioned when it comes to music? Do you have any interest in music that's been written in the last five years? You show me something decent. Yeah, I, okay. I guess. But the it's a lot of it's remakes, and I, I think a true testament to how good our music was is the kids these days are gobbling up 
60s, 70s, and That's 80s true. music at an alarming rate. And and they'll say, Led Zeppelin, where have you been all of my life? <laughs> and you say, yeah. well, you know, you, you're, you know they've, they've been long gone since before you were born. But, you know, I love that my daughter, who likes to play the guitar, discovers my bands. Yeah, that's a good and point. And then, you know, yeah, we, so, we were driving in the car and it's fun. Yeah. It's not old fashioned. So in retrospect, and we've only been retrospecting for the last 15 minutes or so, you might yeah. be old fashioned if you have good manners because manners are important and you always mm-hmm. do your best to be polite. That would be almost considered old fashioned. You always show yep. respect, which, you know, is kind of old fashioned. Uh, you know that newer doesn't always mean better. Mm-hmm. And you work hard. I think old people with an old-fashioned work ethic, they want to work hard. And yeah. you prefer sometimes just doing things with your own hands and saying, well, just let, let me take a shot at that. Just give me the, give me the bucket. I'll do, I'll do this. And yeah, fa- family yeah. is always number one. Family is always number one. And you're not relying on technology all the time. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my mom didn't, you know, use a phone to call us for dinner. It was a dinner bell. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would come home and say, how do, ma'am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and hopefully there's plenty out there that still value old-fashioned romance. That's, that's a good old-fashioned thing. I think people will rediscover that when yep. they, when this craziness that we have now, and we have all these dating apps, and people can meet a, a million people at, at the swipe of a finger. They're suddenly going to say, "Hey, does anybody here in church know where uh, the other single people are? I'd like to meet some people locally from the church who share my beliefs, and uh, say, you know, I know somebody that's perfect for you, and we're we're going to get back to that, I yeah, think, and they're going to say, you know, the courtship and the and, th- and people will say this is fun. I think you're right, Patrick Albanese. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Dr. Rebecca Ree is going to talk about Genesis chapter 16. Get your Bibles out, get a notepad, and get a pen. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.